and uh, it can change lives. I know here Friday night we had our uh, single adults that Ryan was talking about meeting. We call that the armory, and uh, it's great to know lives are being changed there. Saturday, our teenagers got home from their trip, and I talked to JJ a little bit. He looked like he got hit by a truck, all right? Those young people ran over him, but he said decisions were made for Jesus Christ. We've got Friends Day coming up, a great opportunity for us to share Jesus with other people. There's so much going on, and I'm grateful for that. I want to encourage all of you, if you're here today, say amen. amen. I want to encourage you to be back tonight. I'm looking forward to bringing a message that really talks about how as a church we can share Jesus with other people. And if you know Jesus, you know how great it is to know Him and to be known of Him. What a shame it would be to keep something like that only to ourselves. Jesus is someone who can be shared without his influence in our lives being diminished at all. And so we're going to have a great time uh, together in the Word tonight. That'll be at 5.30, and uh, I'm excited for it. Now is the time in the service I typically say this, and I'll say it now. Would you take your copy of God's Word and join me in turning to the New Testament book of 2 Timothy? 2 Timothy chapter 3. And as many of you know, we're beginning a new study today. I'm very excited about this study. It's been on my mind for over a year. And uh, actually, as I started writing it, God took it a few places I hadn't even thought of yet. But it's a series that I think it's time has come. It's going to be an important study for us to have. Now, for this study today, I'll be preaching and teaching from the Bible. Now, how many of you are surprised by the fact that I will be preaching from the Bible? All right. Good. Uh, exactly nobody. And I'm glad for that. And it's because I start every time on Sunday by saying, would you take your copy of God's Word and join me in turning? It's because we've come to understand that this time around God's Word is the central part of our gathering. It's the most important part when we get in the book, as I like to say, until the book gets into us. And, and the Bible makes my assignment very clear. As a pastor, my assignment from God is crystal clear. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, and verse 2, the Bible says, Preach the word. How many of you believe that God's will is that as a pastor, I would preach the word of God? Then you need to know something. It would be implied if I'm going to preach the word, there's to be someone to receive the word. I don't think it's a stretch to make that connection, all right? So God tells me, preach the word. He goes on in that verse to say, be instant, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. The word preach means to make publicly known. It even means to do so loudly as if you were a herald. The Bible says that my role is to preach the word and our role is to receive the word. And so in our time today, we're going to proclaim the word and seek to do so faithfully. In fact, I want to go so far today as to say this by way of introduction. Any sermon, any sermon, regardless of how well it is delivered, that is not rooted in the scriptures is not a good sermon. The power in preaching is not found in dynamics, it's not theatrics, it's not volume, it's not personality. The power in a sermon is found in the content, and the content is to come from the Word of God. Now, delivery can be helpful, and God thankfully works through human instruments, and so everyone that gives a sermon may have a slightly different delivery style, their personalities involved, but what makes a sermon powerful is the content. 
When we come together as a church, it's so important for me that you understand we seek to get in the Word, get the Word in us. We want to follow the biblical method and model. And I love Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 8. I reference it often. The Bible gives us kind of our marching orders around this idea of studying the Word of God. The Bible says in Nehemiah 8, so they read in the book, uh, uh, they read in the book in the law of God distinctly and gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. And I love that verse because it's just simple enough someone like me can understand it and it helps me understand what it is that I'm to do and what we're to be all about. The Bible says they read the word, they gave the sense, they caused the people to understand. In a sense, we, we see illumination. They put the spotlight on the scriptures and God can help us to understand them. Illumination, illuminate, to put the light on it. And, and then as we understand that, we can understand from every scripture there's an interpretation. We can understand what is being said in this passage. Now, uh, I don't want to poke anybody needlessly so, but I heard this week one of the people running for president was asked a question about a moral issue, and the Bible was brought up, and the reply was, well, the Bible can be interpreted in a lot of different ways. And friends, you need to know something. It may be true that a lot of people interpret the Bible in different ways, but you need to know this. For every passage of Scripture, there are not a multitude of ways to interpret the passage. There's one true interpretation for any passage. You say, what if two people have a different view? Then we need to get back in the Word and continue to study. The most important question is not what does the Bible mean to you. The most important question is what does the Bible mean? And through illumination, as we get in the book, we read it and we study it and and God begins to reveal, we can then gain the interpretation, we can answer the question, what does this mean? And then from the interpretation, we make application. Now the applications can vary greatly. It never ceases to amaze me how I can preach on a single passage of Scripture and several people will say, you know, that helped me in this area or that area. Very, very different ways. So we see the work of illumination, the lights coming on as we study and as God helps us. And interpretation, we can discover what does this mean. And then application, we can say, well, what do I now do with what I've learned from the Word of God? Time to time, it's important for us to focus specifically on the Bible. Now, of course, I'll be preaching from the Bible today, but, but I want you to know it's really helpful for us to have times where our study is not just from the Bible, but it's about the Bible, about the Bible. The Bible is an incredible, incredible gift from God, and some have likened the Bible to God's love letter to man. Others have said the Bible is like a treasure map that leads us into a rich and fulfilling life, and I would say the Bible is that and and a whole lot more. The Bible is a collection of 66 different books, 66 different books compiled as one that we call the Bible, God's Word. We know the Bible with these 66 different books has been divided into two sections. We have the Old Testament, we have the New Testament. The Bible was uh, inspired, authored by God, but God used over 40 different authors over a span of 1,500 years in three different languages to give us His Word. It's amazing, with all those different writers over that amazing span of time, the focus of God's Word is still singular. It testifies of the greatness of God and of His great love for us. The Bible, interestingly, was the first book ever printed on the printing press. The Bible is the best-selling book of all time. 
Parts of it have been translated into nearly 2,000 languages. And the Bible serves as the foundation of our teaching. Now, I want to be careful today. We don't worship the Bible. That would make us idolatrous. We would then be bibliolaters, worshipers of the Bible. That's not what we are today. We don't worship the Bible. We worship the God of the Bible, but we love and appreciate the Bible because it's in the Bible that we learn of God, His love for us, His plan of salvation, His will for our lives. And so we revere and honor and respect and seek to learn so that we may obey the Word of God. And if you're like most people today, you wish you knew more of the Bible. In a recent study, 58% of all Americans said they wish they read the Bible more. What's interesting to me is 58% of Americans, not near that many attend church. So, I mean, in general, the majority of American people, not just those that would go to church on a Sunday and, and listen to a message from the Bible, the majority of Americans think, man, I wish I read the Bible more. And the reason they wish they read it more is because they wish they knew a little bit more about the Bible. And many have said they would read the Bible more if it were easier to understand. Now I'm going to touch on this a little bit later in our study, but you know the Word of God was not written to be read. Sometimes we read the Bible and we think this kind of reads awkwardly here. The Bible was not written to be read, it was written to be studied. We're going to develop that, but, but I understand the sentiment of, you know, I would read the Bible more, but it's just at times it's hard for me to understand it's interesting, the phrase, how to study the Bible, is Googled more than 60,500 times every month in America. The same phrase, how to study the Bible, is, is, is typed into YouTube in America 538,541 times on average every month. The point is this, the majority of people in America claim to have a hunger to understand the Bible and they wish they read it more. So in the course of these next few weeks in our study, I want to take the time that we have to help us better understand exactly what is the Bible what does it do and how can we get to know the Bible for ourselves so that we can learn and grow in our lives? And this is a series of messages that we all need. We all have room for growth in this area. Maybe you're like me, you've been a Christian for a while. I, I shock myself when I learn things and as I'm learning it, I think, wait a minute, I learned this 25 years ago and then I forgot it. I had to learn it again. We never reach a point where we know it all. And so a study like this is so important for each of us. So if you're able, I'd like to invite you to join me in standing today as we look at 2 Timothy chapter 3. If you're glad to be in church, say amen. amen. I am so glad you're here. I'm glad the rain held off. It's supposed to start raining at 7 this morning. And uh, I said, Lord, if you could push that off to the second service people, they need to get wet. You know, the first service people, uh, we'll get them in dry. And uh, I've been looking forward to this morning. So, 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. The Bible says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. I want you to take note of just the first two words in verse 16. All Scripture. And I want to kind of lay a foundation for our study today. And this morning I want to 
talk to you from the Scripture about all Scripture. Father, thank you for this morning, man. It's been great to be in your house already. I've enjoyed seeing people and talking and sharing a laugh and bearing burdens. And Lord, the worship today was powerful. And then, Lord, we come now to this essential time of studying your word. God, I pray we wouldn't just get in on this sermon, but we'd get in on this study. How we need you. Help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I walked in the door the other day with kind of a panicked look on my face, and when my wife looked at me, she could tell instantly something was wrong, and she said, Steve, what's the matter? And I said to her, I said, honey, I think I'm getting sick. And when I said that, she rolled her eyes, okay? And uh, she has yet to understand just how debilitating a man cold can be. And uh, I was sharing my concern for my own health and safety. I think I might be, I didn't say I was sick. I said, I think I might be getting sick. And uh, she just kind of rolled her eyes. And I, I don't blame her for that. But I had to take matters into my own hands. And so I made my way to the medicine cabinet. And as I looked in there thinking I might be getting sick, I thought, all right, what can I do to help myself in here? And I saw a multivitamin. If ever there's a good time to take a multivitamin, it's the day you think you're getting sick. So I took one of those. There was some vitamin C, and they were chewable, tasted kind of like candy. I thought, I'm in. Give me some of those. There was a little thing with like a, a, a syringe kind of thing where you can suck medicine up, and on the front it said silver, silver. And uh, my daughter Jessica had told me, she said, that's good for your immune system, Dad. She, literally, she bought it for me, and I hadn't been using it. And I thought, if I'd have been using that, I might, I might be uh, not feeling sick or thinking I'm getting sick. So I took some of that silver stuff, and, and you're supposed to put it in your mouth. And, and uh, uh, I saw some little oils in there. And uh, so I took some of those out, and I'm rubbing it on my temples. I have no idea what that does. Probably nothing, if I'm being honest with you. That's what I think it does. But at any rate, I thought, I'm going to give it a shot. And uh, so I, I took some of those. And then, and then just for good measure, I took a, a good drink of NyQuil, made my way to bed, thinking I may be getting sick. Now, the next morning, I woke up, and I, I first thing when I woke up, I laid there, and I laid real still, and I tried to take a quick personal assessment. And it didn't take me long to discover I wasn't sick. And then I got frustrated because what I didn't know is, was I not really getting sick in the first place? Or did something I, take, I took help me? And I took so much stuff, I didn't know what to say help me. And I was frustrated. You see, the fact is, I didn't have much confidence in any of the stuff that I took or I would not have taken all of it. I think sometimes in life, that's just how we treat the Bible. We often don't get in the Word until we think we're coming down with something. The marriage is on the rocks. Our kids are going the wrong way. We think, how do I help them? I better get in the book. And, and we often treat the Bible that way. And even then, we don't just take the Bible to use that analogy. We take the Bible with a bunch of, of other stuff. And the problem with this approach is that it reveals our lack of confidence or faith in the Word of God, and God's Word is a faith book. That's what unlocks the, 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 the truths of God's Word to our lives is when we believe it and obey it. Now, listen, we all know there's no singular medication uh, you can take to deal with every germ or sickness that will come into you, but I really am happy to tell you today that the Word of God actually does address every single part of our lives. 
The Bible will not only help us come to know God, and certainly that's where it all begins, but it can help us to grow in a relationship with God, a relationship with others. I'm telling you today, if you'll learn the Bible and live it out, your marriage will be better. There's no doubt about it. Uh, your, your parenting will be uh, better. You'll do better at business and so much more. The Bible covers every single area of life. And so as we begin this study, I want to unpack some foundational truths about the Word of God that I believe can encourage our hearts. And so as we get started today, several, this won't be a simplistic sermon, but it will be a simple sermon today. Here's the first element I want us to take in the, in, into this study. Number one, the Bible is God's word for you, for you. Now let's go back to our text where the Bible says all scripture is given by inspiration of God. All scripture is given it's given it's for you god gave us the bible now uh, it's interesting that the idea here is not just that the bible is the word of god but we also find here how the bible came to be god gave us his word by a process that this verse calls inspiration inspiration now now this is different than just being inspired maybe you read shakespeare or you hear beautiful poetry and you think to yourself that is inspiring and it very well may be, and at times we'll read the Bible, and what we read is inspiring. But, but that's not the idea in this word inspiration. The, the idea in God giving us his word by way of inspiration, literally this word here means God breathed. It means God breathed into the scriptures. God moved people to record his truths for us. Now, God did not overtake them in a mechanical way. They, they didn't kind of turn into robots, and God just moved their arm to formulate the letters that would become words for us. He did not erase the personality of the writers. In fact, he included their personalities. He used their vocabulary, and he used their lives' experiences, and he placed on their hearts and in their minds what he would have us to know. Peter helped us to understand a bit more about this in 2 Peter chapter 1, Peter wrote of it this way. He said, for the prophecy, referring to the word of God, the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. This is that process of inspiration. God worked in their lives so that through them, the word could be recorded for us. This is a process some have called over the years canonization, which means the Bible being brought together through God's oversight from the first book of the Bible, Genesis, to the last book of the Bible, the book of the Revelation. We see that it is reliable in its singular message in its historic accuracy and the power that it brings to our lives when we apply its truths now the intention of this study is not to kind of give you a historical timeline of of how it all happened that's very interesting maybe worthy of a story just not exactly what i'm going for today but 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 let me say this with with that on my mind before we move on if you believe in god say amen, amen. if you don't I'm glad you're here, and I hope this study will help you to come to see God for who He is. Uh, and I sincerely mean that. But for those of you here today who say, I believe in God, I want you to know something. It is inconceivable to think that God would give us a Bible that we could not trust, that's not reliable. You see, the Bible in Deuteronomy 32 tells us of the God of truth. In John 14, 6, the Bible tells us of Jesus that he's the truth. In 1 John 5 and verse 6, the Bible speaks of the spirit of 
truth. And Jesus in John 17 and verse 17 said, Thy word is truth. It is incongruent with the nature of God to deliver to his people a book that could not be trusted. But of equal importance when it comes to our personal relationship with the word is our understanding that it is for us. And I want you to know of the word of God today. It's for you. It's for you. It's, it's not just for me. That was kind of the mindset in the dark ages, which is why those ages were dark, where some said, we're clergy, you're laity, the Bible's for us. It was in a language the people could not understand, they could not read, and uh, even those who were literate, which was the minority of the people, uh, they couldn't understand the words, so there was an idea, well, the Bible's for the preacher or the priest or the pastor, and, and everyone else just has to listen to what it is they have to say about it. No, 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 and no. The Bible is for you it's given for you this summer Lisa and I want to spend some time with uh, uh, our our kids and our granddaughter and that meant the son-in-laws were going to come too and so we thought all right we're going to need a place to stay and and I'd heard of people who'd stayed in like uh, uh, Airbnb or VRBO you know and so we thought we'll try that out they say it's cheaper than a hotel and basically, people rent out their apartment or their condo or whatever, and uh, so we did that. And it uh, worked out good for us. I don't know how your experience has been or what it might be, but for us, it was a great experience. So we rented out a place, and, and we all got together as a family, and, and it was fantastic. And uh, as we got there, the owner uh, talked, to us, uh, uh, talked to us as he kind of showed us around, and he gave, gave me a notebook. And he said, uh, this notebook I put together for the very first guest we ever had. He said, I've added to it all along as things have, have come up. He said, here, this, this will tell you everything you need to know. That notebook was not written to me, but it was for me. It may be true that all of the Bible was not written to you. We'll talk more about that in a moment, but I want you to know all of it is for you as we went through that notebook in the course of our stay it told us how everything worked how to work the thermostat how to how to get the tv to come on and it even went so far as to tell us what's the best pizza place to order pizza from i mean everything that we would need it wasn't written to us at that time he did not even know that we'd potentially be coming but it was written for us and the bible is a collection of all different styles of writing there's poetry there's history there's prophecy much of the new testament is literally personal correspondence or letters we're reading today in the book in the new testament of second timothy what is this book of the bible it's literally a letter that the apostle paul wrote to a young pastor by the name of Timothy and so this book of the Bible was not written to us but we have to know today it is for us it's for us when we read the mail of these first century Christians we're entering into just what we need in our lives God's word is true and it is truly for you and that leads to the second truth I'll share with you today not only is the Bible uh, God's word for you I want you to know the Bible speaks to every need the Bible speaks to every need. Now, the next words in this verse say this, and is profitable. So we're reading here of the scriptures, the word of God, and the Bible is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness now the word profitable is a very important word there i think all of us kind of understand the concept of of profit but the definition of this word here means to be advantaged 
It means beneficial. The Bible says of itself that it's advantageous for us to discern, to discover what it is that God has recorded for us in his, his book. Now, the Bible speaks to every need we have. Listen, the Bible says that it is profitable for doctrine. If you're still listening, say amen. I've heard some people say, you know, in the, in the idea of unity today, we need to really de-emphasize doctrine. Friends, I need to politely say, and I'll very diplomatically say this, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. The word doctrine means taught truth. The Bible is God's book of doctrine for us. Any unity that comes at the expense of doctrine is a false unity built around ignorance. The unity we seek today is a unity that's found in concert with the revealed will of God. And so we don't want to de-emphasize doctrine. Doctrine just means taught truth. And the Bible says it's profitable for truth. We find truth in the word of God. It's profitable for that. The Bible goes on to say that it's next. It's profitable for reproof. We may not like being reproved, but we all need it from time to time. The idea in reproof is to have someone point out what we're doing wrong. Now, I know some people say, you know, the Bible, it's all thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, such a negative book. And we're going to get to that in the course of our study. But it's a loving parent who will tell a child, don't touch the burning stove. And so we find profit in the Bible. It helps us to know God's truth. We understand that it's profitable for reproof. Sometimes God in his love will point out in his word, hey, that's, that's the wrong way you're heading there. That's, that bridge is out on that road. It's profitable for reproof. It goes on to say it's profitable for correction. You know, reproof without correction wouldn't be encouraging at all. I mean, how helpful would it be if my message today was, guys, you're doing it wrong. Thanks for coming. I'll see you. Well, reproof essentially points out we're doing it wrong, but this is where the love of correction comes in. Correction is, hey, you're heading the wrong way, but let me help you out. Come on. Let me help you get back to where you need to be. That's correction. God's word's profitable for correction. I'm not the only guy in this room, as nice as you guys look, as pious as you look back at me, I'm not the only guy in this room who's been off course in life before, and it needed to be pointed out, Steve, you're heading the wrong direction, but, but I needed God and others in my life who would, who would say, hey, but let me lovingly with correction help you get back to where you need to be. And then it goes on to say it's profitable for instruction, and it's instruction that is, enables us to stay where God would have us to be, to make the most of God's will in our lives. You see, any Christian who applies what they learn from the Bible will grow in many good ways and will avoid so much of the unnecessary pain in life. I remember hearing it said so many times growing up that the Bible is like a roadmap for life. And um, of course, that was before cell phones and nobody has maps anymore. How many of you remember Thomas Guides? Yeah, those used to be awesome. We got a bunch of old people in here. Holy cow. <laughs> Thomas guides of course nobody has Thomas guides anymore you know we, we don't really use maps uh, on all our phones we have GPS's and and so I wouldn't disagree with someone who said I think the Bible's like a map that's a good picture but I, I think maybe today we'll update it all right we'll modernize the analogy I think God's words a lot more like a GPS and and I'll tell you what I mean by that as you plug a destination into your GPS it lets you know right away when you've made a wrong turn or you've missed your exit Make a U-turn now. Now. Hey, now. I mean, it just keeps telling you. You're off course. What's that? It's reproof. That leads to 
a correction, a course correction. Not only that, there's a route overview that can let you look from where you are to where you hope to go and it will share with you, hey, if you keep on the path that you're on, here's where you can expect to end up. And that might be by way of application, a strengthened marriage where men read in the Bible, husbands love your wives. How many think that's a good verse? In the Bible, all right? And uh, uh, you, you could say, boy, that my marriage will be helped. I'll arrive here. It might be in the grand scheme of things. Heaven, spending eternity in heaven with God. But there's, a, there's an overview that helps you to see. Now, there are a lot of different ways to use a GPS. There's one that I have on my phone called Waze. How many of you have used Waze? All right, good. If you haven't, you have to check it out, all right? I had uh, about an 80-year-old lady in our church let me in on the idea of Waze not too long ago. And I thought, I'm getting technical advice advice from an 80 year old woman what is wrong with me but she helped me out and what I like about Waze is this it'll literally in real time in real time uh, say hey there's a traffic jam ahead hang a left here whatever go around it and uh, in fact this isn't in my sermon I, I don't want to do any harm to what I'm preaching today it'll even tell you if there's police officers on the highway so it's just a little little tidbit of info for you there but it will look ahead and say hey there's a delay some things have developed let me tell you the best way to move around that and God helps us to avoid those needless delays in the course of our lives the vast majority of people who claim to be Christians would also claim to value the Bible and they would also claim they wish they read the Bible more and they would also claim they wish they understood the Bible more we claim to believe and to appreciate the fact that God's word touches every aspect of our lives. It's so often we don't get in the book, personally. I want to do my best as a pastor. I mean, I'm, I'm investing my life here, and that's what I want to do, and I enjoy doing. I want to give the most helpful, encouraging sermons, and you, whether you recognize it or not, I try to deliver it in different ways, in different styles, and different topics. I want it to be fresh and spiritually nutritious, but there's not a preacher in the world who can deliver everything you need from the Word of God. That's why we've got to make sure personally we're taking time to read and study the Bible Hosea said this, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. So many times what we go through in life, the, the answers are in the book. I'm not denying there aren't times where we're going to go through things and think, what in the world? I, I'm not saying that everything will be easily answered, but there's something in the Bible to touch anything you'll go through in the course of your life and i want you to know it's for you but the bible also speaks to every need and this implies that we should be taking time in our personal daily lives to say god i'm going to invest time reading your word today and invariably someone will say well i don't know where to read we've got books on bible study bible reading schedules in c3 go pick one up maybe it would be a good thing for you to begin by looking at the book of proverbs in the bible 31 chapters that's about how many days in most months just read one proverb every day would be a great way to start proverbs is the book of wisdom you'll find insight that will blow your mind i'm saying today it's not enough to understand the bible speaks to every need of our lives we need to let the bible speak to every need in our lives think of that we'd all do ourselves a great favor if we put our faith to practice by reading the word of god 
There was a church in the New Testament that was really exemplary at this. They're called the Berean church. And of them, the Apostle Paul wrote this in Acts 17. He said of the Berean church that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. I love that. I'd, I'd love the thought of pastoring a church where people show up with a mind that's been prepared. It's a ready mind. Ready to go. And we all get into the word honestly, intellectually, spiritually. And then we search the scriptures out, make sure, is that, is that, is that accurate? What was said there? What was taught there? Is this correct? And, and, and eager to apply what we learn. The final thought I'll share with you this morning is this. The Bible equips us to live life to the fullest. The Bible equips us to live life to the fullest. Now notice the final words here. The Bible says that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. For sake of time, I won't go all the way back and read up to where we are at this point in the book of 2 Timothy, but earlier... Uh, in 1 Timothy, the Apostle Paul, writing these letters to Timothy, told Timothy, Timothy, you're God's man. You're a man of God, is what he said. You're a man of God. And so here he says that the man of God, he's saying, Timothy, you. He said, Timothy, I'm writing to you, I'm speaking to you, that, that Timothy can be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. And, and I mention that to say this, Paul made it personal to Timothy, but when we understand all the Bible's for us, we can put ourselves in the midst of this verse by way of application and say, you know something? God's given me his word so that I can be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. Anybody who makes the Bible the centerpiece of their lives is a person of God. And for those people who are people of God, we find two words in this verse that are really the most important for our understanding. They're the words perfect and the words furnished. Paul told Timothy, Timothy, you need to know something. God's word's been given so you can be perfect, uh, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. The, the word perfect here means this, complete. Complete. I remember one time in college I had to write a whole paper on the word perfect. Great big paper. And uh, perfect. When we think of the word perfect, we think, you know, without any error. And that's one of the applications. The word was actually used in two primary ways, an agricultural way. And when you would look at a piece of fruit from a farmer's perspective and say perfect, what you were saying is it's ripe, it's mature, it's complete. It was used also in an accounting way. When you would look at a ledger and say perfect, you were saying the books have been balanced. It's been justified here. On the cross, when Jesus said it is finished, he used the very same word to telestai. Perfect, complete, finished, whole. And the word complete in this context means to be complete, uh, perfect rather, means to be complete, in fit shape, in fit condition. It does not suggest a state of sinlessness. We are to sin less in the course of our lives, but we're never going to get to the point where we're sinless. And, uh, and so the Bible's role is to help us to be perfected, to be matured, to be made complete, whole. And then the Bible says furnished. This has a similar meaning to perfect. It means to be equipped for service, furnished. 
what you need. It's provided. You've been furnished. In other words, the Word of God furnishes and equips a believer so that he can live a life that pleases God and do the work that God would have him to do. The better we know the Word, the better we're able to live and to work for God because the the Bible tells us here that we may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. See, the Bible, as we yield ourselves to what we learn and let God start working in our lives, the Bible, it, it begins to shape us and mold us. Jeremiah one time wrote this, Is not my word like as a fire, saith the Lord, and like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces? Hey, a humble heart in the presence of a holy Bible, God's going to do something there. Sometimes His word is like a hammer. It chisels off the rough edges. And the more times we allow the Word of God to shape our philosophy and our behavior in life, we're going to see those rough edges being refined. I think of the way the writer of Hebrews put it in Hebrews 4 and verse 12 when he said, The Word of God is quick or it's alive and it's powerful and it's sharper than any two edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. You see, sometimes our need is spiritual surgery, and when we'll come honestly and humbly before the Word of God, God will have a way of letting His book, as He says, serve as a mirror that reveals to us those areas in need of change so that we can begin to look more like Jesus. You see, the purpose of Bible study, it's not just to understand doctrine or to be able to win an argument on topics of religion. No, that's, that's not what it's all about. The purpose isn't so we can learn history and gain knowledge. And the fact is, friends, if you study the Bible, your faith and your knowledge will both grow. But the ultimate purpose for those that know God is the equipping that takes place in our lives as we read and study and live it. It's the Word of God that equips the people of God to live the life that God has called us to live. And that's life to the fullest. An abundant life, as Jesus said. Some time ago, I brought a series of messages that I entitled False Alarm. And I made known in that study that there is an alarming amount of falsehoods that attack truth. The type of study that was is called an apologetic study. It was ultimately in defense of the faith. And we tackled some of the tough questions that are asked today, you know, uh, why does bad things happen to good people? And the, the litany of questions, they, they've been the same. If you want to go back, that's on our church website. That kind of a series where I try to prove things and defend it has its place but but again i want you to know that's not at all what i'm trying to do in this series i did not approach this series with the thought you know there may be a hardened atheist in here who's a god denier and a bible denier and i hope to convince them through this series that the bible is true no my target audience is for people in this room like me and the majority of others who say you know i do believe in god and i do believe it makes sense that if God gave us his word it's reliable and in fact most would even say I believe God's word could could benefit my life but so many of us say you know I'm just a little bit hesitant at times to get in there and we need to be reminded 
Man, it's for us. It touches every area of our lives. And it helps us to live life to the fullest. My prayer is that God the Spirit, through the teaching and preaching of the Word, would bring us to the point where our spiritual appetites would be satisfied as we get in the Word of God. My desire is that those who claim Jesus would see the Bible as the incredible gift that it is. I want you to imagine with me. Imagine with me. In your mind's eye, get, get, a, get a husband pictured in your mind's eye and imagine him taking time to read the word and come across those passages that teaches him how to be a loving and a kind and a gracious and a sacrificial, giving, providing, protecting husband and his heart being stirred. Imagine him reading those passages if he has kids that, that teaches him how to deal in patience and to bring them up in the right way and all of these things. Imagine in your mind's eye a, a, a wife perhaps reading about how to, how to love her husband and protect and provide in that sense for her family and, and to love the... Listen, maybe it's a single adult, a young person, an old person. Imagine with me today what would happen if those of us who claim to believe in God and in the Word of God, if we got in the book and let the book get in us. I hope I never grow out of how naive I am right now because I'm just naive enough to believe that if we read the Word, learn the Word, apply the Word, live it out, that God will help us in every single area of our lives. Imagine the impact one person could have who would become so thoroughly biblical in their manner of life that it would change a family. There's another thought that gets me excited. Imagine what would happen if there were a church family that said, you know, we're not really interested so much in all that denominational stuff and what this guy said or that guy said. We, we can learn from all of that, but we mostly just want to get in the Bible. And if it's in there, it's true. We want to do what God said. Imagine the impact that one church surrendered to God and rooted in the Word of God can make. Years ago, I had a thought in my mind. My family deserves in me. Not someone who's perfect, none of us are, but someone who will get in the Word and seek to do it as God would have. And when I mess up, fess up, because that's part of what I learn in the Bible, is how to recover. I think our church deserves a pastor who does his best to know the Word and live the Word and share the Word, to leave all my opinions aside and, and to seek to share that which God has said. Read the Word, give the sense, cause the people to understand. That's what I try to do every week. But I also believe our region deserves a church filled with people who are not just spectators on a Sunday morning, but we are a part of the living, breathing, vibrant body of Jesus Christ. He is the head. We are the members. And it's His word that we need to take with us as we go. Imagine with me 
Imagine with me the change that our lives could see, our families could see, our community could see. If we would embrace the fact that the Bible's for us, that it touches every area of our lives, and that it furnishes, it equips us to live life to the fullest for the glory of God. Our Father, I'm 